Oh yeah, do it. I don't care. Oh, I, I won't. I won't. All right. I won't do it. So, um, with no further interruption, allow me to relate to you an anecdote of no small amusement. Please. Um, so, uh, Mr. Corey and I uh, were hanging out. This must have been Friday evening. We're hanging out in the kitchen. And it came up that you guys were doing the Brady Bunch movie on the show. And while I myself have no particular attachment to uh, the Brady Bunch, uh, it, it came up that uh, my parents, um, so my parents are as... You know, Liam are a little older. Oh man, yeah. Um, and so, so like late sixties, early seventies, they would have been like in their tween, early teen years um, when the Brady Bunch was big on TV. I know my mom's family in particular, um, like watched the Brady Bunch all the time. It was like a show to watch when all those kids were coming up. So, um, so I I was uh, shooting the breeze with with our friend Corey here uh, about the Brady Bunch for a little bit, and we were talking. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was riffing as I did. I, I didn't know much at the time about the Brady Bunch movie, but I did know that it was more of a tongue-in-cheek take on the premise. Um, so I, I made a comment about how, you know, the, uh, the sexual tension between Marsha and Greg Brady uh, must be at nearly a breaking point by the time we get around to the movie. And we had a, we had a good little chuckle, uh, Corey and I, about that. And uh, Corey said something that uh, that puzzled me a little bit, that almost perturbed me. He uh, said to me that, you know, it is odd how how people will do that. People will um, infer sexual chemistry between two fictional characters that are supposed to be related um, just because the actors aren't related in real life. And I, I, I had to do a double take at that. I, I had to say, Cor Corey, you do realize that the characters are also not related. <laughs> yeah. That that none of the boy Bradys and none of the girl Bradys. Cor <laughs> frankly, before watching this movie, Corey was unqualified to do a podcast about the Brady Bunch. <laughs> Cor Corey didn't know the the first single goddamn thing about the Brady Bunch. He very core conceit upon which the entire Brady Bunch is built. He he simply had no context. Um, I didn't know Marsha from a Jan. Not only that, but I said that with what can only be described as the utmost confidence. Yeah, no, pre <laughs> precisely. That that Corey's walking in. He's like, I know everything there is to know about the Brady Bunch. You know, it's like the people who think they know um they know everything there is to know about about say um sleepaway camp. Uh, because they know the the big twist about mm -hmm. Angela's identity, they're like, "Yeah, I know, I know Sleepaway Camp. I know a thing or two about Sleepaway Camp." It's like talking to one of those people, um, but then they don't know the thing about <laughs> Angela, and they just know that the movie takes place at a camp. And I'd like to I'd like to state for the record that at this point in our kitchen, I am dissociating just completely, <laughs> and what I say, Keiki goes, "What did you think?" the Brady Bunch was. And uh, as I am literally crumbling to the floor in in hysterics, I, I managed to muscle the sentence, I thought they were just a big family out. 
the uh, the the sheer tyranny of will um, <laughs> with which I expressed my um, immeasurable disappointment and frankly a contempt for Corey Price at that moment um, reduced him to basically a, a, a shambling husk of a man <laughs> crumpled into the corner with uh, with nary a wit about him. It was it was truly a despicable sight to behold. But um, <laughs> ultimately, ultimately, a fate deserving of one who um who doesn't even know that you know the core conceit of the Brady Bunch is that you've got it's the story of a man named Brady who was bringing up three very lovely boys, you know, and um and the song goes on then, as I've learned, and so the theme song goes. Yeah, that, uh, you know, I'd love to get up here on the stand in this courtroom today as I'm being uh, charged with failure to understand pop culture sufficiently on which the punishment is death. And um, I'd love to get up here and say, hey, I was just goofing around, but this may pain the audience to hear. But alas, I'm not just goofing around. And evidently. I truly had no single goddamn idea what the Brady Bunch was about, aside from there's a lot of family members, <laughs> and that's on me. And but thankfully, um, we are we are on the other side of this tunnel. You have been educated, educated rather, borderline executed. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> borderline executed. Uh, thankfully, clerical error was made, and you were educated instead. So today we have. Uh, the Brady Bunch movie on They Made Another One. Roll the intro, baby! With that out of the way, Corey, um, I will say to you that I absolutely did not know the Brady Bunch was oh one big family as well. Oh my god! <laughs> on with the show! Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One? Each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And as you all already know, this week we are covering The Brady Bunch, more specifically The Brady Bunch Movie, uh, a family about which I had much to learn, and this was a great tool to do so. It came out in 1995. It feels notable to mention immediately that it is listed as a parody film, which is a wild introduction to uh the whole conceit taking this classic sitcom and spinning it and um i'm gonna get right into the cast and crew right away we don't have time to waste and um so it's directed by betty thomas she directed private parts which is the howard stern biography movie <laughs> and also oh, nice. and cool. also dr doolittle uh john tucker must die and alvin and the chipmunks the squeakwolf Oh man, those are some classics. And, yeah, uh, she gets around. Well, that, I guess that means we might revisit Betty Thomas in the future. Oh, I feel like we gotta. Yeah, um, there's there's a few options just in the four that I picked out. Yeah, and so we've also got we've got a lot of writers. We've got four writers. All of them are notable for different reasons. We've got right, okay. Rick Cop, who worked on Golden Girls, Wings, Teen Titans. He's like a real TV guy. Um. Not to be confused with TV Guide. He might be a good guide through television, but he himself is not like a sentient book. I want to make that clear. Okay. Um, Bonnie and Terry Turner, who wrote Wayne's World 1 and 2, Coneheads, and Tommy Boy. Man, there's uh, some show possibilities in there, too. Yeah. And uh, not to be outdone, uh, 
Loris Elwani, who wrote My Girl. Oh, another? And gets a credit yeah. on My Girl 2. Let's go! The Brady Bunch <laughs> Extended Universe. Yeah, and then not to be outdone, cinematographer Mac Alberg worked on a few other things we could do on the show. But I'm going to start with Evil Bong. That's a real movie, I guess. He Damn. did Puppet Master The Legacy. Okay, okay. And then also Reanimator and Ghoulies and From Beyond. Those mm-hmm. All franchises. Yeah, and also House 2 and House 3. Dang, okay, yeah, yeah. man. This is, this is really the first podcast of the rest of our lives. Yeah. We'll be the, seeing all of you again. The editor we've met before, Peter Teschner. Does that name ring a bell? It does not. It rang a bell the second I read it, and the reason is because that man edited Legally Blonde 2. Oh, dang. He there also edited Private Parts, um, Dr. Doolittle, the first Borat, and hmm. Reanimator 2. Wow. I know, right? Like, the amount of connections here. Because not to last but not least, we've got the composers. We've got Lionel Cole, who did not have anything that we could ever cover. But uh, Guy Moon certainly does. Does that name ring a bell? Might from your childhood. Think about it. No, but I love it. So he is the musician who is responsible for the Fairly Odd Parents and Danny Phantom and shit like that. Wow. And also Minority Report and Fight Club. Dang, that's range. And the David Dakota film Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolarama. Oh, I know that one. Do you actually? Yeah, yeah. Oh my, yeah. have you seen it? No, I haven't. Oh, why do you know it? That because that that director has done like one or two hundred yeah. great horror movies, yeah. and that's that's one Bigfoot of the more versus DB Cooper, baby. Yeah, and the cast the cast list is huge, so I'm just gonna power through this quick. It's a big bunch, huge bunch. None of them are related. It's a free for all. <laughs> Uh, Someone needs to tell the kids. Those aren't your real parents. And those are not your real siblings. This is not your beautiful house, and that is not your beautiful wife. Yeah, even the Brady Bunch kids don't know the concept of the Brady Bunch. <laughs> well, I mean, to them, it's not a concept. It's just what it means to, like, be real and alive. So, like, for that to all be false would just, like, fuck their whole shit up, you know? For lack of a more eloquent phrase. I wonder if they get to that in any of the sequels. Yeah, any of the two sequels that we will have to get to at some point. Um, anyway, we got... Uh, for the Brady Bunch, I'm going to use names, but I am i don't think I'm going to use names for everybody. So Gary Cole is Mike, Shelley Long, Carol. Henriette Mantel is Alice, who is a Brady on a technicality. Uh, Christine Taylor is Marsha. Paul Sutera as Peter. Jennifer Elise Cox as Jan. Jesse Lee Soffer as Bobby, Olivia Hack as Cindy, and then we've got David Graff, Michael McKean, Gene Smart, Jack Noseworthy, Moira Snyder, James Avery, R.D. Robb, Shane Conrad, Marissa Rabisi, Alana Ubach, Megan Ward, Alyssa Pensler-Gabrielli, RuPaul, Darian Basco, David Leisure, and then Davy Jones, Mickey Dolans, and Peter Tork of the Monkees. And then uh, we've got some... OG Brady cameos in the mix as well. We've got Florence Henderson, who is Carol, and she plays the grandma. And we've got Ann B. Davis as Schultzy, the truck driver, who is the original Alice. 
Barry Williams is the original Greg, and he's the record producer. And Christopher Knight is the original Peter, and he's the gym coach at school. That is everybody. <laughs> that is ever. That's everybody that's ever been in a movie. That's true. Man, I had no idea there were so many. Yeah. So many characters. And in there's this a, movie. and there's I I didn't point a lot of this out, but there's a lot. There's a couple actors we've seen before in there, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably, Alana Ubeck, who plays Noreen, is in Legally Blonde too. <laughs> Oh shit! Really? Yeah, she's I did not she's Serena, her. who is one of Elle's friends. Man, like one of her OG friends. That's so cool. I hope I liked her in that movie because I I would rewatch Legally Blonde two just to see more of her. I think she's also in Legally Blonde one. If you want to just watch that one, yeah, it sounds like it, eh? Yeah, I I think she was so likable. She was awesome. And really quick, I want to ask two questions about the cast before we get into the broader Brady verse, which is a what did you do when Uncle Phil show up? Because I got really excited. Oh, man, I didn't even register. Where was he at? Oh, he's one of their neighbors. Oh, oh he's the neighbor, yeah. right? He would be, yeah, that makes sense. And no, it, it didn't mean much to me. Okay, well, I, I, I thought it was neat because it's like it was just unexpected. Dude was right. mad famous at that point on account of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And he's got like a small bit in the Brady Bunch movie. Um, oh, man, rest in peace. Did you notice that the school therapist was RuPaul? Because I sure as shit didn't. I didn't, but my <laughs> girlfriend who was next to me most assuredly yeah, did. I had, she was freaking I have, out. I have friends who, A, are very upset that I didn't know that and would have lost their minds. Yeah, and and <laughs> because of Brianna, I'm familiar enough with the show, so I know what RuPaul looks like and everything, but I, I didn't recognize. And then... Uh, I guess... Brianna was going off and, and looked it up to confirm, and there it was. Is it maybe because, like, you'd have no reason to assume that is RuPaul? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's like... true. And also, also, I know the movie came out in 95, which just seems like long enough ago that I didn't yeah. really know I have RuPaul no basis was on the scene. For how famous RuPaul is. Like, oh, I know yeah, how famous time. RuPaul is now, but what I mean is, like, historically, like, I don't know when their deal I don't totally, know when they yeah. were a big deal, is what I'm yeah, trying I'm, to say. I'm I'm in that same boat, yeah. Uh, but yeah, those were the most notable, unexpected presences to me. And, um, you know, before we picked this movie, we had an internal dialogue where we were like, what movie are we going to do? Because there's this, and there's a very Brady sequel. And we went with this largely because we figured it was close enough to the original material which evidently we do not have a huge attachment toward. So um, I guess what I'm wondering is, do we just want to get into the movie? Like, do we have anything to say about the original Brady Bunch TV show at all? Definitely not the original TV show. I'll tell you what I had going into this movie. As we've briefly established, I did not know that the Brady Bunch was made up of two different families coming together a real life with Derek situation for all you Canadians out there I didn't know a that real that was Drake a and Josh situation that's right yeah 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 <laughs> I had no idea um you know I, I can pick out the Brady Bunch house and the staircase because I've, I've seen that a few times but I did not know the 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 uh relationships of the family that would occupy that house um but in terms of this movie all I knew was that um it was very funny because I had seen a Marsha compilation I'm many years ago. So happy this is already coming up. Um, 
And it was actually, it's actually a really memorable moment in my life. It was very peculiar. So I was just like dicking around on my phone, probably at 3 a.m. back in high school. Um, and I came across a post that was shared on Facebook. And the only caption was like a laughing emoji face or something. So there was no title, no, no context. And there was no words on the screen. You know, sometimes you'll see a compilation or a clip that's shared right. on Facebook and there'll be big words like saying what it's from or giving you some information. There was none of that. And so I clicked on it. I don't know why, because I'm, I'm normally not a big clicker on Facebook, but I clicked um, and it was uh, what ended up being a, like a 10 minute compilation of various scenes from either this movie or the sequels. I'll, I'll admit that I didn't recognize any of the scenes I, from this movie as I was watching it. That implies that you watched a different one than what I found, which is fascinating. <laughs> It does, doesn't it? And so what really got me with this was that um, I did because I don't know the Brady Bunch and don't know that didn't know the Brady Bunch movie. I didn't know what this was from. Um, I didn't know that it was going to be a compilation going in. So every time it went from a one clip to another, I was very confused because I thought maybe I'd just be watching one funny scene from a movie. And because I didn't know what this was from, the tone was so off-putting to me. I was like racking <laughs> my brain as I was just staring at the screen, like trying to figure out what was going on here because I knew it wasn't like a normal comedy movie, but I had no idea what the foundation was. And um, through those 10 minutes, like I went from being confused to... Um, really liking the fashion and then really liking uh christine taylor's performance as marcia who i recognized from dodgeball so yeah, i knew course. this was like i knew this was like a hollywood movie but um my mind was just like absolutely boggled for those 10 minutes i had no idea what i was watching um and maybe the next day after i came out of my like hangover haze of watching <laughs> this at 3 a.m <laughs> I might have done some looking up and and found out it was from the Brady Bunch movie at some point because uh, when we did our Leave It to Beaver episode, I think I brought this movie up and I knew that those clips were from that movie. I knew the this movie would be going for a sort of 90s parody. Um, I might have brought it up because you mentioned how straight the Leave It to Beaver movie plays it and it made me think of this Brady Bunch movie that's an adaptation that is... Uh, a bit more self-referential um a bit more yeah so, yeah so uh so going into this i i had a fondness for it because i knew i liked marcia and i knew i liked the comedic tone of the movie and i was excited to see if i recognized any clips unfortunately i did not i i don't know if that means uh they were from the sequel because they definitely weren't in hawaii in this compilation i watched or if time has just eroded the memory enough that i don't remember what happened enough i just i just know that i liked it so who knows but uh i was excited to see it for that reason that's awesome because i had no i had no reference point i hadn't seen these compilations i'm glad you mentioned it though because at the very bottom of my notes i have i have something about them because i finished watching the movie which i had rented on youtube and um I was immediately getting recommendations. I had two recommendations. One was for Brady Bunch movie, Best of Jan Brady. And one was the Brady Bunch movie, 1995, Best of Marsha. Um, there you go. One of them uploaded in 2015. One of them uploaded in 2010. 
both within striking distance of a million views. Man, and, and that means both <laughs> of them could have existed back in the day when I watched this. Yeah. This is very interesting. And I'll have to seek this out. For uh, dedicated podcast fans, notably the person who uploaded the Jan Brady one, their profile picture is from Firewalk with me. Nice. Yeah, just a weird coincidence. That fan overlap must be crazy. Brady <laughs> bunch. And Honestly, it doesn't feel as tonally dissonant as you might think. No, yeah, totally, totally. And now that you mention it, it's very possible that Jan Brady was also in this compilation I've seen because those inner voices oh that she God. hears, those would have put me off at 3 a.m. So those might have been <laughs> in there as well. And um, really quick, uh, the Jan one is in pretty shitty resolution and the other one is the marcia one is like hd and somebody just put i love how the best of marcia video was in high resolution jan can never win i love that shout out to my man rodrigo sanchez for that comment but uh i i i'm gonna i immediately watched those videos to see what moments they picked out and it made me realize you know what i wish we had Hmm. I wish this movie had showed up in time for people to make fan cams. Do you know how good the Jan Brady fan cams would be? <laughs> right, and now I'll, this is sort of a, a quiz for me. I'm going to try to remind myself what a fan cam is. You can do I this. Lear- I learned about it from Zathura. Fan cam is when you take clips from a character that you like and... Or a real person. Together. Okay, right? And you put them together in a compilation, and then you play a song over them, like a Linkin Park song or something, right? Yeah, that's if it's in more of like an AMV mode. In a lot of cases, it's like you'll get like K-pop stands who have their favorite member of like BTS or Blackpink or some other K-pop group, and they'll just set like a really like tight, braggadocious like rap over it to be like, yeah, this person's confident and cool and hot, and I'm a big fan of theirs. And there'll be, like, glittery effects on the screen and shit. Right. So there's no dialogue in these fan cams. No. I think you can make it work. Uh, I think you can make Brady Bunch fan cams work dialogue-free. If we had to. Well, let's quiz you now, Corey. What was the song used in that uh, Jonah Bobo fan cam? Oh, fuck. It was High Hopes. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that a little too fast. (laughs) I get it. Yeah, so... I, get I was now. talking with Jade about that literally like three days ago. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh man, that video is so good. But um, another thing that's good is when we talk about the movie. And uh, how's that for a segue? Very good. I didn't have anything really going for me for the TV show either. Um, growing up, this has put a lot of comments in perspective for me. Um oh shit no 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 because i'm not well uh basically uh my parents split and then my dad uh got together with my stepmom so i've got step siblings and stuff and all told there's five kids in that like group and you'd get brady bunch comments and i'm realizing that's the reason it wasn't raw size (laughs) it wasn't just like that's a lot of kids ergo Uh, brady bunch it was oh (laughs) blended family ergo brady bunch (laughs) That makes your unfamiliarity so much funnier. Because, like, whenever someone would say the joke, you'd be like, there's only five of us. Like, what the fuck? Like, it has <laughs> like, to be six Brady or Bunch? up. <laughs> yeah. We're not even equal it. to the Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys not seen the show? 
You guys don't even get the core conceit of the Brady Bunch is having six kids. <laughs> <laughs> and designing your own house. <laughs> which we did not do. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess we may as well just get into the movie, huh? Yeah. So one more thing. Did you know that this was going to be parody satire before you went in? Had you read that log line? Uh, yeah, because when you Google the movie, one of the genre listings is parody. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but that's the only reason. And I didn't know really to what extent, you know, like sometimes you've got something that's like a little bit tongue in cheek and you're like, yeah, okay. And sometimes that's enough for people to say it's got parody elements. You know what I mean? Versus, um, I'm trying to think of a good example of a parody movie, and I'm realizing they don't really exist. Um, Austin eh. Powers. Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect this to be like full Austin Powers, but I guess that's a good example of a parody movie. Scary movie. And like those, like not another teen three hundred movie. Where yep. somebody gets kicked into a big hole and everybody claps. Yes. Everybody knows those. Um, but what we've got here is uh it's the nineties, and um you know that because everybody's on a cell phone and everybody's car has phones and all the cell phones have phones, and there's sirens and screaming and garbage everywhere and warnings for killer bees and earthquakes and all sorts of terrible shit. But uh the Brady family is just kind of deep in the 70s still. They are unfettered by the turbulent 90s and just are sticking to those clean-cut, wholesome sitcom family values of 20 years previous. We find out that they are $20,000 in debt on their back taxes, and if they don't pay it, their house is going to get auctioned off, which is convenient for their shitheel neighbor, Dittmeyer, because he wants them and the rest of the neighborhood to sell their houses so a residential strip mall can get put up in their neighborhood instead. And um, the kids learn of this uh, need for some quick cash, and everybody comes up with schemes on how to get that cash. And then we've got a couple running B-plots, including um, Bobby is like, a, is like a narc. Bobby is like the school cop. Uh Cindy has a lisp and tattles on people. Uh, she's also a narc. She's also a narc, actually. Yeah, that's true. They should have called this the narky bunch. <laughs> the Brady narcs. Choose whichever one of those made you laugh harder, audience, and just laugh at that one. Um, Jan is resentful of the fact that Marsha gets all the attention and wants to kind of like build her own image and feel like people care about her and what she has to say. Um... Marsha is trying to get a date with Doug and also trying to get Davy Jones of the Monkees to come to their school dance. Um, Peter's just going through puberty kind of generally. <laughs> and um, he's got a thing for Holly, who is somehow related to the Dittmeyer son, whose name currently escapes me. And uh, that guy sucks a lot. And um, not to be outdone, last but not least, Peter's whole thing is uh, he thinks about trying to get famous at one point, and uh, he's bad at hitting on girls. And at the end of the movie, we learned that maybe the big solution to all their problems could be a talent contest where they will become a musical group in an attempt to win $20,000 to save their house. Yeah, good summary, man. Yeah, I feel like that. I do feel like that was one of my better ones. 
Yeah, and then just imagine jokes all up in there. Imagine a lot of jokes strewn about. Oh, um, I missed the most important storyline of all, which is that Marsha's best friend Noreen is extremely gay and into Marsha, and she just cannot notice. Yeah, I guess Marsha's just completely oblivious. You might call that more of a C plot because it happens <laughs> while while Marsha is going about her yeah, D plot. Yeah, I guess but it yes, is more of a C good. plot, but it's important because when that happened, I was like, oh my god, this movie's gay. I can't believe it. It was so exciting. Yeah, dude, this movie um, is pretty woke. Yeah, like for 1995, like at the end of the movie, not to skip around, but at, amongst the neighborhood friends, there's just a gay couple just in there. And nobody draws attention to it or says anything. And that feels fairly progressive for the 90s. It was directed by a woman, right? It was, Get yeah. Get those in there. Makes good stuff. Yeah, they won't make terrible, poorly aged jokes about marginalized sexualities. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. What were your expectations? Because on, I know you had seen bits of it. I don't know how much that would have influenced how you were going to feel going into it. But like... On paper, you get Brady Bunch parody reboot. Do you think that's something they can pull off before watching it? Yes, I do. I was just ready for a whole lot of bits. Um, You know, just from that compilation, I knew that these are the kind of movies, whichever movie it was drawn from, I knew these were the kind of movies that are kind of vignette You know, I figured they were going to have something to tie it all together. But really, you just want to get a lot of jokes about the Brady Bunch and, and uh, the 90s and, and pl- such and the 90s and playing off that concept. So I was just I was just looking forward to laughing and uh, getting some some good 90s bits. I haven't. It's been a while since I've seen a 90s comedy movie, you know, and a lot of the 90s comedy movies I love are just lots of bits coming at you and so that that's what i was excited for and i and i really did think they could pull off the tone because um it's 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 just a killer concept that's kind of hard to mess Honestly, up and it yeah i can't believe they got the rights i know i know because <laughs> this this movie feels very ahead of its time especially considering leave it to beaver came out a couple years later and that's just like a straight ahead adaptation yeah. It's it's very funny to think they did this in 95 because nowadays this is happening so much more. You'll read a headline like every month where it's like they're adapting Barney, but it's going to... Gritty gonna Barney with darker. Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> I thought that was a joke when I was reading it. And then you'll also have like... Um, uh, you know, um, Fantasy Island, Blumhouse just put that out. Oh, which yeah. Which is like, uh, you know, um, an older show that's like a drama show um now being adapted to be a horror movie and i'm uh, waiting you know, for the gilligan's island that's about cannibalism that's right yeah exactly exactly <laughs> it feels like, like that's what we're heading toward yeah because nowadays so much has been done that like referencing the past in a funny self-aware way um is there's been so much made already so now it feels like we've got to go back and take another look at those things and so in the 90s yeah I, I but feel like that was, for yeah. for as like uniquely postmodern as it feels in terms of like a parody adaptation at the same time um the 90s fucking loved the 70s like i don't know if it works as well now because like the 90s was way into like the psychedelia and that whole like a sort of aesthetic sensibility of the 70s not as directly as the brady family perhaps maybe not as many bell bottoms but I feel like that was a prominent thing, so they found the right time to do it, too. 
like where there would be an affection for the era while simultaneously being the most aesthetically divergent and also like um just in terms of the sensibilities and how like they obviously clash with like the weird rough hewn edges of the 1990s yeah yeah just think this movie just came out a few years before that 70s show came out i mean 20 years is a pretty good window for that's when people kind of start being nostalgic about things and loving the way things were yeah Um, now now we're in 2020 and we're starting to get that early 2000s 2000s fucking nostalgia it's coming for you yeah we're gonna get a gritty beyblade reboot where they kill people <laughs> that would be dope like they're all, yeah they're all weapons honestly that would be tight i it's it's literally going to happen michael bay call us this on record you're calling your shot right now Corey. yeah yeah i was uh i didn't understand the poster for the movie which is the world broken open like an egg and just the brady's on the stairs and it says they're back to save america from the 90s weird selling point but i was optimistic yeah i guess i guess the idea is that like the 90s aren't as good as the 70s people were having having those feelings you know things are crime is happening it's funny because in, in hindsight don't know what's good for them don't the 90s feel quaint now <laughs> oh of course of <laughs> like course. we weren't yeah. really there but like i'm especially thinking like the late 90s into the millennium but before 2001 like everything was just happy and nice and it felt like nobody complained about anything and you get like all this bubble pop and everything's very colorful and like y2k aesthetics are everywhere um just before that so you're still kind of in like the grunge everything's fucked up 90s but it's certainly not brady bunch hours and yet here they are (laughs) And, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's a cool concept. It's a really even, good idea. It's such a good even, idea. Even if the 90s, like you take out all the actual societal unease that was happening, take that right. away and just look at like plaid shirts and strip malls and uh, greasy hair. It's it's funny to juxtapose that with the Brady Bunch and their perms. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's 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 good on that level too. <laughs> so I guess without further ado, let's just do this thing, Liam. What did you think of the Brady Bunch movie? Oh, I quite like this movie, man. Uh, I was looking for the bits, and I got some good bits. I do. What? What I? Well, I'll start with what I'm. What I what really got me about this movie. I really love the casting, particularly of the titular Brady Bunch. <laughs> I, I think uh, all these kids like have a little spark about them. You know what I mean? Um, and that's hard to do, especially when you're dealing with young actors. Um, but I think I well, think this movie does it. Some of these actors are not that young, is the thing. Right? Yeah, that's that's true. But you know, even Cindy, what what did she have to be like? Ten years old? Yeah, but what I mean is like the actress playing Jan was twenty six. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's, it's like that's you fine. get some pros and cons here. Not pros and cons. Um. I don't know what I was trying to say. Ups and downs. Some of them are not as accurate to the original intent of the character. But uh, that's not, I, I also think it's extremely good. Yeah, they were all good. And so that that was impressive. And I like I like that the movie moves fairly quickly. Um, you just you get a lot of really funny scenes and then you move on to another thing. It's kind of like watching a bunch of episodes smashed into one. You know, it did feel kind of compilation-y and vignette-y. <laughs> And 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 I liked that. I liked that. Um, 
I liked you get to spend time with with each of the characters in their own little B plots and C plots. And so I just thought it was a very nice introduction to this Brady Bunch world, you know, and it gave me a nice window into that original show because I know it's it's obviously different than this is. But I think this this movie does a really good job at um, the jokes are clever and um the way they're s- structured and how you know how the 70s world is interacting with the 90s world i'm able to watch this movie and figure out what the original brady bunch is i imagine you know like it, whenever you could whenever work an backwards. original yeah whenever an original actor from the show showed up i was able to tell that this is someone mm-hmm. from the original show um and so i think this movie has reverence for that original show and does a really good job at taking that tone and and playing with it so that even someone like me who who doesn't know the ins and outs of the original show can get joy from it you know that being said (laughs) i'm sure there's all sorts of stuff in here that will really appeal to fans of the show that have seen a bunch of episodes and and um, i'm sure there's a whole bunch of stuff i'm missing which is really exciting i love that this movie is able to be for Brady Bunch fans and also for people that don't know it. And it's just a funny movie because <laughs> you're able to buy into the concept and and the writing is clever enough. Um, where the movie falters for me, and I'll just get this out quick because I want to hear how you feel generally, is yeah. um, I think it takes a while to get going. I think when it gets to the high school, about 20 minutes in is really where the nineties versus seventies starts to kick off. I think before that it is more of a typical nineties slash seventies movies. I guess the reason I say that is that it feels more like the leave it to beaver 97 adaptation where they're just kind of, they're getting their footing. They're establishing the Brady bunch world. Um, and I don't think they needed to do that even. And that's coming from me who hasn't seen the original show, because I think the movie does a good job of interweaving that 70s foundation throughout the entire movie that I don't really need to need it to be shown to me how these characters are all on their own right. beforehand. I, I think you can get <laughs> right get right into the the funny stuff where you have 70s versus 90s. I think the movie could have benefited from um, a stronger, I guess, premise. I like, I really liked hearing you describe the premise and the plot that they're trying to get $20,000. That's that's a good get, and it's a good way to get them all doing their various antics and stuff. But I think the issue is that when I remember this movie, it's kind of going to start to fall apart for me because it even though I liked that it's vignette and there are little bits, um, I think if it had that extra something that really ties it all together would make it feel a bit less slight. And so my big takeaway by the end of this movie was that I, I love the concept, love the casting, lots of good bits in here. It's a good um, condensing of the original Brady Bunch and what this Brady Bunch is. Um, it's It feels like a really... <laughs> it feels more like a pilot for this concept <laughs> than it does your first movie or I guess your only movie. Like let, let's, let's imagine there were no sequels to this movie. Um, it feels 
a bit slight in that regard because I feel like they really didn't hit it all the way out of the park when it comes to making it Unlike feel like a Mike big Brady. event. Yeah. <laughs> like it didn't it didn't feel like a, a big event. It didn't feel like they squeezed everything they could out of making it very cinematic. I just thought it was kind of funny. Um but by the time I was at the end, I thought that, that that was funny and charming enough that I would really like to see the sequel to <laughs> see what they do with it, given more time, given that they've established the tone and now they know um, how all these characters interact with this world. I would like to see them try it again. So to me, this feels like um, it's it's a really fun time. I just don't think it's, it's the... the perfect execution um that i might have hoped it was and so i am excited they have sequels because it, it kind of feels like uh um like a lot of people talk about evil dead and evil dead 2 where it's just like okay they were figuring out their footing with evil dead 1 and what they wanted to do same with spider-man 1 and 2 but then when they came back for the second one and they knew what was up then they really killed it um so I would like to see the second one, especially because I saw a review on IMDb of this movie that said it's oh, yeah. good, but you got to see the sequel. And I was like, oh, shit. So uh, all in all, I liked it. Good. Yeah. You know who uh, your review or your take on it is actually similar to is uh, Roger Ebert, who hmm. um, it's not exactly the same, but part of what he found was lacking is that he wanted more of the direct sort of contrast between the family and the harsh 90s in which they live and he actually wished the 90s themselves were a bit more harsh and angular and like aggressive comparatively to really drive it home and mm -hmm. um i think sort of similar to what you're saying where it's like they they didn't need the time spent on the family they could have just got to that part and done more of that um is is kind of a similar take i don't know what his take on the sequel is but uh i did i was reading a couple reviews earlier and that stuck out to me he gave this movie a two um that's out of four two out of five out of four. Oh, okay De yeah that's decent yeah, yeah not bad um although at the beginning of his review he does confuse the names of one of the brady kids and i imagine i don't know the parents must do that a lot too i guess dang man that might mean that even our roger eber was not familiar with the OG he didn't, he didn't know the maybe, maybe he didn't know that they married into it either <laughs> uh yeah um you know what i want to do quick is i just want to ask liam what do you think i think of this movie i think you really love this movie yeah um i'm prone to hyperbole when i say how much i like a thing on this show i think i i especially do that um kind of part of the brand um that said this is probably in the top five for best things we've ever watched i fucking loved this movie like loved it loved it loved it loved it that's awesome <laughs> i was losing my fucking mind the entire time damn dude that means it's up there with like we got prom night two we got carrie Texas Chainsaw, Next Generation, this, and 
some other shit. I don't know. <laughs> good top five. It's, That's good. It's pretty good. And um, it's for all the reasons you're saying. Actually, though, I liked the introductory bits, both as somebody who didn't know the source material, as we've established, but I really do like getting a quick look at here's every kid's deal. Um, I appreciated getting that. I think in part because the ones that are good are amazing. The Marsha and Jan interaction at the beginning, um, when they're in the room and they're talking about that Jan has Marsha's socks. And um, yeah, I loved that. <laughs> loved it. Yes. Why does Marsha get all the good socks? <laughs> um, but the way it set the tone. I thought did a lot for me. I was a bit less interested in like what the parents were doing. I also think they're given a little bit less that's outwardly hilarious, but um, yeah, some more too. stuff that's quietly funny. Like the dad speeches are hilarious because he just keeps fucking talking. But um, let me tell you something about judging. Oh my when god! When you oh judge my... people, <laughs> I have I actually have that in front of me. If you'll indulge me, yeah, tell it. That was great. If you judge your friends for passing judgment on you. You're not only judging yourself, you're judging your friends for judging you. And that would be using bad judgment. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Fucking incredible. But um, I think for me, I agree with some of your complaints. I think um, there is a way to do it that's maybe a little bit more streamlined. There is arguably too many fucking ongoing plots. There's like 800 plots at any given time. There is maybe a way to do it that's a bit more streamlined, that spends a little bit less time on setup, and frankly, by extension, more on literal punchline, um, getting to the bit sooner. Um, and uh, I, I don't know how I feel about uh, parts of it. Uh, like, there are some weaker aspects that I think that, that rely more on, like, getting the story across, because it's kind of trite. But um, I'm perfectly comfortable admitting that part of the reason is just i had so much fucking fun that like none of that really matters and uh, i just had a really 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 good time and that's enough for me um there are there's maybe like one or two jokes that um i don't want to say don't age great i think in particular like the fact that they call they say that jan has schizophrenia feels like it hasn't aged great because I feel like there's a way to do it without making the punchline a mental illness real people have. But um, the joke is still very funny. And I, I'm actually impressed at the degree to which this movie has not aged terribly and become a nightmare 90s relic. Like a lot of it's just really fucking funny still. Yeah, yeah, of course. And funny in ways that movies of that time funny. and even now aren't funny, right? Like that whole Noreen thing. That's insane that that's in there. It's yeah. amazing. It's yeah. So f- and it's so funny, like legitimately funny. And Noreen gets hers in the end. God bless justice for Noreen. Um, yeah, that was that. That's how you know it's a C plot because it has a resolution. It is a, it <laughs> it is is a, a plot. plot. She, she gets together with Doug's hookup date after punching him in the face, which Charlie takes credit for that fucking scumbag. <laughs> but, yeah, but um, that was a great scene. That was a great scene. Uh, I think what it comes down to is the jokes are really good and the performances are pitch perfect. In particular, if I had to choose, um, how the fuck 
did Jennifer Elise Cox not win every award for her Jan? Yeah. She's so good. (laughs) She is so fucking on it. And, like, those, like, bits where she just, like, stares off into the distance and just, like, fucking twitches and then tries to, like, rein it back in. I know, like, it's such... Uh, it's a standard comedy bit, but the fact that it's it doesn't seem, like, cheesy... She's and so committed. Uh, she's so committed. Yeah. And, yeah, it doesn't feel dumb. Like, it just feels funny. I think some of the stuff with, like, Peter kind of felt dumb. Like, uh, just, like, that 70s songs were stupid, basically. But um, I feel like every character gets their moment or many moments in some cases. Uh, and there's just some truly insane choices to be made. Um, the Dittmeyer family is the most dysfunctional nineties train wreck imaginable. And, um, that opening argument when they can't understand that Cindy is asking for the mail because she has a lisp. And, uh, yeah. What'd you, what'd you think about that one? Cause that's like a D plot, just her lisp alone. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. There's yeah. Everything's got a, a plot to it, but, um, yeah, when uh, Dina Dittmeyer is like, she's asking for the Brady's mail, and then he's just like razzing her for like constantly being hungover, and then she's just like really lusting after the Brady boys. <laughs> like, oh my gosh! There's just yeah. so much shit going on all the time. This is a, this is a sexual movie, dude. This, this is such a deeply sexual film. <laughs> oh man, and it really it. Wicked climax with I'll I'll call that that's a D plot as well. Her lusting after the kids went. Oh my gosh, dude! When she puts the <laughs> the paper into his pants yeah. and and there's all these euphemisms about the pants like, are getting tighter and things are getting bigger, uh, growing oof. right before people's eyes. And also, not only that, but she she's saying it to both of them. One of whom is clearly like fourteen. Um, and then, uh, can we, okay, let's get all the sexual stuff out of the way. Let's do that. We've established some of it. Constantly hungover neighbor is horny for the eldest Brady men. (laughs) We got that. Noreen is completely infatuated with Marcia, who is so self-obsessed she does not notice. We got that. The one I want to mention is, uh, (laughs) at the very end credits, Peter with his teacher? Did you notice this? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what tell the it. fuck is happening? So at the end, they're doing like the squares on screen and everybody's got a bit. Like in Jan's square, Marcia shows up and takes over the spotlight and Jan's trying to get the attention back. Classic. Um, classic Jan. But uh, Peter, their teacher was teaching them like sex ed and she shows up and is, does not have a shirt. And is like cradling him up against her chest and like just being really touchy. And there's no real reason why. Meanwhile, Alice is completely taking her shirt off as well. And the drunken neighbor is back feeling up on Mr. Brady. (laughs) There's so many things happening. And Noreen is in Marcia's square just saying, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like. Oh, boy. There's just there's so much. There's literally nine jokes happening at the same time. 
Yeah, I was so confused as to why that was lasting so long. Like, it it lasts so long that I went from thinking it was just, like, a five-second little square thing before the credits last, to me wondering why it was lasting so long, to me realizing that there's a joke happening, and- to me realizing there are <laughs> nine jokes happening, and then being able to pay attention to those jokes before it ended. That's how long that lasts. I, had, I, I watched it more than once to try to get all the bits uh-huh. in. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, I don't want to talk about the end because, so, uh, we, we, we learn that, um, yeah, Dittmeyer is like a real estate guy and he's trying to get a house or, uh, everybody to sell their houses so, um, they can build a residential mall, uh, where all this neighborhood is and, um, the Brady's don't want to move because it's their house that they built and their family and they're happy here and blah, blah, blah. Also, they're horny as fuck. Carol and Mike Brady are horny as hell all the time. And they're constantly either doing euphemisms about sex or trying to have it and they keep getting interrupted. Anyway. Um, Leave it to Beaver 97 ripped them off. Truly. Um, and the kids find out and they all come up with, with various plans. I, I want to work through the plans, but I'm trying to remember what all nine of them are. Not nine. All All the kids plans are because i think some of them are more explicit than others uh i know peter tries to get a song made uh and that just kind of doesn't work because it's old uh self-obsessed like 70s psychedelia garbage but um i don't even know the best way to work through it because it's just bits the whole movie's just bits i don't know how to structure this i was a happy camper man um what order do these bits happen in? There's just so many bits. Because I want to talk... Like, the thing that came to mind was the modeling one, but I that's definitely not first. That's not the first of the money-making schemes. Um, I'm just looking at my notes and being reminded of 800 funny bits, and I just want to say them all. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is a real grab bag. It's, it's a good party movie. I can understand why there are YouTube and Facebook compilations based on them it's just so funny because this movie seems to i guess it has like a cult following or something that people are putting these clips together and watching them but because you don't really hear people talking about the 95 brady bunch movie i just like i don't expect i don't expect it you know the fact that there's so much in this movie and um and like it seems to have lasted a long time for a lot of people but then to other people, it's not sticking. It is. It's it's really cool. Yeah, I, I uh, I can see why somebody wouldn't like this movie. You know what I mean? Like, I could see somebody just being like really irritated the whole time or something. Tell me, tell me how this hits you. What if we just go over bits we like? Is that is that permissible? And then maybe we'll be able to talk about like the plot and how that sort of happens in between. Because everybody also kind of gets like a plot moment as well but like early in the movie like what's the first bit that hit you where you're like this is gonna be good the sock bit which you already talked oh, about. Like, the sock so you bit. were in right away oh yeah no yeah dude when it comes to the jokes and everything and the tone that they're going for it's clear from the very beginning and so it, it's not that i didn't start enjoying this movie until 20 minutes in i was in from the start because i i could see the hints of what they were doing and all that stuff is still in there it's just once they got to the high school i was like okay now the movie is really taking it off and it feels like we're 
we've we're, we're past the prologue but the movie it knows what it's doing from the very beginning it just has a a structure that I would have done a bit differently. But right. No, in terms in terms of comedy, it, I, I was there from yeah. the beginning. And I'm and I I'm even laughing at the most basic of jokes. Like the thing that I think got me to laugh the hardest early on, and this is almost mildly embarrassing to say, but it's when Jan bikes away without her glasses on and immediately just starts riding into shit. Yeah. No, that's that was great. <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> I rewatched that again right before we started doing this. And it's still so funny. Also, she's like, all my friends say these glasses make me look positively goofy. And then she puts them on and they're I was I thought they were gonna be like big, like thick, hilarious look. They're just completely normal glasses. Yeah, which is way funnier. <laughs> yeah. That's that's so good. And then and then you also you get a classic uh Mike Brady speech about judgment. There about judgment so yeah the movie it it starts off and you're, and you're good to go man yeah and then like the just the awareness of like the classic moralizing dad lesson about tattling too where it's just completely counterintuitive to cindy and they keep giving her conflicting advice or just like I, going on for a hundred years <laughs> that's so funny that like the hill that mike brady will die on is that nobody stitches nope. end up in ditches <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so good man and then so Actually, I think I have a plan. Let's do this one Brady at a time. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. So yeah, it's like the way. Jan goes to school, and we know that Jan is deeply resentful of Marcia being the most popular, the one that gets the most affection, the prettiest, all that. And she also hates having to wear glasses. So she goes to RuPaul, and RuPaul is like, what is it? Like, teen pregnancy, bulimia, some other terrible thing. And she's like, no, I just hate my glasses. Oh yeah. I love that <laughs> because at first that struck me as being a bit, um, being idealistic because it, it seemed like it was a commentary about the nineties and seventies. Like I thought it was the joke is that now that we're in the nineties, kids are suffering from bulimia and suicidal tendencies and stuff. And I was thinking, Oh man, that is so silly. But then I, I remembered <laughs> that this is a play on the Brady bunch and that show. And so I'm thinking, Oh no, this is, this isn't just a joke about how the Brady bunch acts and that, in in their show these issues don't come up and right, so yeah um, and so it's just it's just further asserting that this Bra these brady bunch kids are very pure and their their issues are sitcom issues. issues but now now it's in a world where people know what bulimia is and are directly mentioning it so it yeah. was that was that 90s 70s juxtaposition uh that or i guess even just the less 90s 70s juxtaposition and more just real world versus sitcom world juxtaposition yeah, and i like that a lot rupaul's advice is um if she wants to both like feel better about her glasses and sort of like get out from under marsh's shadow first read her book and um you gotta reinvent yourself you have to come up with a new look that's uniquely jan brady and Jan oh runs with gosh. that. We've had a few I'm more. I'm already laughing. We've had a few more internal dialogues where Jan is like, her eyes dart from side to side as each voice talks. And they're having the internal monologue about what to do. And those are funny every time. Honestly, just go watch a compilation to get the best of it. Me saying it back to you will not do it justice. Um, she is so good. Um, but 
before we get the big reinvention payoff, we get some more deep resentment of Marcia, including one of the craziest scenes they possibly could have come up with. You must know what I'm thinking of. No, not immediately. Oh, shit. Let's go. <laughs> so, um, we get a shot of uh, all all the girls are sleeping. Got it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, amazing scene. <laughs> and um this is shot like a fucking horror movie uh and um jan jan just like sleeps stock still and just gets out of bed and is holding giant scissors that glow in the light oh my god jordan peele eat your heart out this is inspiration and cindy's like what are you doing and she goes over to Marsha and just starts cutting her hair off and she's and they don't set up that this is a dream so you think she might just actually be doing this. Like, oh, I'm going to sell Marsha's hair. It's so perfect and beautiful and everyone loves it. We'll make $20,000 with Marsha's hair. And she's just being so vindictive and cutting it off. And then people come in and they're like, Jan, what are you doing? And then they're like, oh, wow, Marsha, we love what you've done with your hair. And Marsha <laughs> wakes up and it's just perfectly like quaffed and bobbed short hair. And, and Jan just wakes up fucking screaming. Oh my yeah. god! The amount that, of- that was um, that was hilarious. It's yeah, so good. Dying. It's the same as like when Noreen comes over for that sleepover and they're sharing a bed, but when you see Jan in bed, she's like straight as a fucking board, just like lying there, not moving. Yeah. Uh it's so funny, and um, I know I'm skipping over some stuff here because there are some like bigger group family stuff, but I do want to talk about uh, Jan's reinvention and running away. <laughs> Which is um, at the dance, she decides to do this big reveal of like, oh yeah, Marsha takes all the attention again after getting Davy Jones from the monkeys to show up, and all the teachers are extremely horny for Davy Jones, and um, she's like, this is my moment, and she, <laughs> and she uh, she goes into the bathroom and she just walks out wearing a gigantic afro wig, and nothing else has changed. <laughs> And it's like, it's so dumb, but it's so funny. Yeah, and her performance when she has that thing on. (laughs) She looks so uncomfortable. Yeah, she's so uncomfortable, but also she's like, she's, she knows that she's taking a big step and she's like proud of herself. Trying to own it, yeah. (laughs) Um, and, uh, really quick, we can go over what Mike is doing, which is he is like a designer, and he has to sell a design. He's like, that's how we'll get the twenty thousand um, dollars. <laughs> and this design is presented to three different businesses. There's a gas station, and um, like a wing place, like a fast food place, and like a a Japanese fitness parlor. They are all just the Brady House, <laughs> <laughs> which is a good bit. Um, and that's their play is but Dittmeyer sabotages that he keeps sabotaging all their attempts to uh make this money and he has tricked the rest of the neighborhood into not believing that the Brady's will sell even though they said they won't because like what you can't believe anything they say look at how fucking weird they are um so that's why they keep having to come up with new ideas uh Marsha every Marsha bit is good she brushes her hair 5,000 times in the morning at one point, after uh, telling Charlie that she can't go to the dance with him because she said yes to Doug, she uh, has a to-do list, which just has four things on it. And um, 
I'm going to get it out because I have it written down and uh, it's so funny. Her to-do list is tell Charlie, earn $20,000, get Davy Jones, brush hair. Yeah, that was brilliant. And I got to admit, I don't, I don't, I got to, I got to tell you that um, the, I guess, thumbnail picture um, for renting this on Apple TV is that to-do list. Oh my God, that's, really? What a weird yeah, choice. Like that's the still from the movie that they use to kind of promote the movie. And so I had read that. I had thought it was funny before watching it. And then in context, it's, it's so, so much, much funny. And, like I laughed at it again. And she chooses to brush her hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This isn't in order. It's just yeah. things she has to do. Oh, um, uh, and then we cut to uh, Bobby who... This is the second craziest scene in the movie, I think. Um, has a staff member up against a bus and he's frisking them because we saw a sign that said there was a reward for stolen office supplies and that's how he's going to make money. And he insists that she's not spreading her legs far enough apart for him to do a proper pat-down search. <laughs> and then he keeps insisting that she spread her legs wider and wider, which is funny enough because this kid's like eight or like something but then a stapler just falls out it just a like a, a, a truly preposterous amount of fucking school supplies yeah that's good stuff <laughs> man I, i'm sorry this is becoming rattling off bits no it's it's just that's what the movie is man it's just good comedy bits and the so carjacking think- bit and then it comes back around and eddie like helps them, <laughs> helps them get home Yes, yeah, that was really good too. That was um really every bit is kind of what I wanted out of this movie. And so I think when I said that it needs like some extra glue to tie it all together and hit it all home, maybe as we're talking it through, maybe what I'm thinking is it needs a bit less glue actually because the I love all the bits in the movie and I don't want it to like have some schmaltzy typical movie plot and i think the 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 moments where the movie seemed to slow down a bit for me was actually when they had your more typical uh structure um i think that first 20 minutes uh the home life stuff and then also a lot of the stuff with the neighbor and spending time with him as like being the bad guy and setting that up um Uh, that felt more like your typical 90s movie. And so there was just a a, a few of those things that made me feel like this movie either, like it it just needs a bit of an edit to to focus it more. But the stuff Focus it more on the bits. Yeah, because... Even more on the bits. Yeah, because I'm telling you, every one of them worked for me. This movie is funny as shit <laughs> so like, it is it's so good it's so funny that my complaints is just that there was too much real movie <laughs> there's too much real movie and that makes it feel not like the all-timer i know it could have been which is why i'm excited to see the sequel yeah. because when, I, I have faith in these people when they celebrate the dad initially getting the twenty thousand dollars and they're like he's like put on your sunday best we're going to sears <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then they do the like shopping montage but it's happening in real time and people are reacting to it like they're dancing yeah. on the escalator and everybody's just like what the fuck is that family doing 
It's so it's so good that I have to think that like I wish I was a huge Brady Bunch fan so that I saw this movie and it just blew my mind, you know, because I think it's loving enough. You know, this isn't um, like your scary movie parody where it's just really taking the piss out of it. But also it's just it's the kind of humor that makes you like reflect on the thing you liked. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is that's kind of funny that that's how it was. And we never we never got it told any other way. You know, I think it's it's just it's a as someone who hasn't seen the original Brady Bunch. So uh, take it with a grain of salt. I think this is like a perfect expansion of the Brady Bunch lore, you know, mythology. It's a perfect companion piece. I think it's it's so funny. It's so funny that it makes me want to watch the original show to make me appreciate these jokes even more. But it's amazing that they work on on the singular level of just a funny comedy movie. Yeah, it's um it's really weird um that this movie works best at bit compilation. <laughs> But I feel like they managed to tie them together well enough that it totally works. And that's just sort of a baffling achievement, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's just so... It's so endlessly quotable. Yeah. And it's rewatchable, too. I can tell already. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna, this will be watched many a time. A hundred percent. I wish we had seen it at the same time just to, like, have that good time together. Yeah, yeah, but this is, dude, this is one that, like, when we're when we're hanging out in person, we just, fuck watching new movies, you know, we fuck just gotta that. be like, yo, you wanna watch the Brady, Brady Bunch? Bunch? Get a pizza and watch the Brady Bunch? That's, For sure. That's gotta be the first thing we do next time we hang out. Uh, next time, that feels like a, an advisable choice. Yeah. And I gotta say, it is impressive the degree to which a movie that's mostly jokes still manages to have a little bit of character development and an actual narrative thrust like things do continue happening. Like Jan runs away and has to get picked up uh, and taught a lesson about the importance of family. And um, they keep coming up with new plans to make the money that they need. But along the way, what holds it together is that the, it's just a fever pitch of jokes all the time. Like Marsha takes credit for Jan's idea and Jan just fucking loses it. Jan develops it an evil third voice. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, the fact that there's development to the bit is perfect. <laughs> That's perfect comedy writing. It's amazing. Yeah. Or, like, um, everybody goes to uh, to Greg for... Greg, right, is the oldest one? For advice? Yeah. And it's, like, it's it's correct, but it's wrong. Like, he's, like... Uh, Peter's, like, man, like, how do you get girls? And he's, like, you just go up to them and you're, like, hey, you're a real groovy chick. That always gets a reaction. And it does always get a reaction, but it's not the one you're looking for. Yep, yeah, that at, was at great. At the end, and... when they win that talent competition and all those girls are, like, swarming, and he's like, <laughs> you're all groovy in your own far-out ways. Yeah, yeah, and and let's uh, not neglect to mention the reason they win that talent show <laughs> is because... The judge are the monkeys which is again just a perfect punchline to a punchline the fact that a, a whole lot of the movie davy jones is the joke and then you get literally davy jones in the movie performing a song and then that song is updated from 
the 70s to the 90s style of music that is so funny and then you just get an extra little bit where the rest of the monkeys are on the judging panel that is just like that is top tier comedy well, and they don't draw attention to it they, the host is never like this is a talent show judged by the monkeys it's just yeah, a, it's yeah. a it's like a two second reel they all have name tags so you can at least try to recognize who they are yeah no that's that's a great point when it when it comes to the jokes i think the the pacing of this movie is great and so it's the some of the story stuff with that neighbor is made me feel like um we were taken away from the bits a bit but then once you get back to some jokes it is it is so good and the move the jokes move so quick you know it's that vignette yeah. thing it's 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 amazing that you can make Co- compilations of just one <laughs> character's jokes in these movies you but know? it's weird too because like even the side characters are getting development like noreen gets like actual like first of all we have to talk about the sleepover scene in which um noreen and marcia are sharing a bed and um noreen basically like admits her infatuation to marcia who i say she's like just the most beautiful and all this and marcia's just like oh thank you and it's like is that your hand it's like, oh, sorry, I thought that was my leg. Oh, man, that's a classic joke. I love that. And then Noreen punches Doug so hard she thinks he died. Oh, um, that was <laughs> killing me. And then the the performance by Noreen in that scene uh, is so incredible. <laughs> like, that is literally that whole, just that uh, joke she's so has good. character development. Punches her, asks if he's dead, and then when yeah because marcia leaves and then like literally it's not even just a joke cry like i honestly like felt her character in that moment and then you have payoff because then she finds someone else and it's just wow um yeah this movie this movie fucking rules in so many ways cindy you know by tattling on your friends you're really just tattling on yourself by tattling on your friends, you're telling you're just telling them that you're a tattletale. Now, is that the tale you want to tell? Cindy, do you want to be a narc? Cindy, are you a fucking narc? We don't raise no narcs in this Brady book. <laughs> this is a narc-free zone. Get out. This is a car, Jack. Well, of course this is a car, but my name's not Jack. It's Greg. Oh, man. And that is just, that's timeless comedy that's, right there. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> man um and there's there's fun like non-diegetic humor like they keep using the reference of uh or the the metaphor that um he's really gonna like knock it out of the park at work he's waiting to hit a home run to get it back and then when he sells the design it like zooms in on his face with this big triumphant like pose and like you hear the crack of a baseball bat and like baseball organ and a bunch of cheering Yes. And it, yeah. I, I feel like verbally describing this, it sounds like, yeah, no shit, that's the joke. But, like, it's all executed really well. And yeah, it feels and aware mo- of what it is. And it recognizes that even part of the comparison between the 70s and the 90s is just making that joke at all. Yes, yeah. And the fact that that joke is made in a movie that is so dialogue based and um or visually gag based you know stuff you're literally seeing on screen the fact that it also takes a second or two to do a joke where the zoom and the audio is the joke it's uh this movie has a lot of different it has a lot of different uh 
cards to play, you know, in, in terms of the comedy. It's I know not what'll make us feel stuff. better. Potato sack race. <laughs> yeah, that killed me. And then <laughs> their their backyard is AstroTurf. <laughs> it their backyard is one of the most deliberately made sets to look like a set I've ever seen. It's so funny. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> I've got it. We could enter that search for the stars contest. First prize is $20,000. That's a great idea, Marsha. Great idea, Marsha. Am I invisible? Do I not have a voice? I had that idea two days ago. And then Peter just goes, come on, Jan. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this shit fucking rules. Like, literally. And, and here's the thing, dude. Um, a lot of comedies, like, all their jokes are in there, and it's super funny. But you don't get, a, you might not get around to seeing the sequel because it's, you, you got so many jokes in the first one, you're going to spend time with those, and uh, you don't necessarily need to see more of it. Whereas this this movie, the jokes are really strong, but the characters behind those jokes and the characters driving those jokes are so likable and and so well defined that I want to see the sequel so badly not just because I like the jokes and I think it would make me laugh more but because I want to spend more time with these characters and see what they're up to up to so like Jan's insecurities and the way the rest of the family treats her I want to see more of that to see where it goes because this movie has shown me that it's it's actually it's not just taking place in a vacuum where it's going to make the jokes and then nothing matters. These characters are developing and learning things throughout the movie, even if it's just in the smallest of ways. And so um, this is a unique comedy movie where I, I like I want to see more of the story being told. There are so many comedy sequels that are just like lambasted and comedy is one of those franchises where typically the sequels are are reviled and um i don't i don't have a whole lot to go off of because i haven't seen the sequel but if if i'm gonna trust imdb reviewer who said you gotta see the sequel and i do because this movie is so strong then it absolutely checks out that the sequel is gonna be good as well because there's just so much going on here in terms of character and storytelling which is just yeah amazing it feels true to the characters and true to the version of them that it needs for humor while doing its own thing and that's just kind of great uh i also really want to see more liam let's settle this on the show are we gonna do an episode on that or are we gonna not do an episode on that so we can watch it sooner (laughs) how do we feel We're, we're gonna do an episode on it after Corey and I have seen it five times because we've become huge fans of it. <laughs> we'll get to it. It feels, or um, we could include it in like a recap app if we yeah, wanted yeah, to. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll, we'll just say right now, we'll cover it on the show. In some at, capacity. In, in some capacity, but we're not necessarily going to wait to watch it. Yeah, because I was like, I would watch it today. Like, that's how mm-hmm. eager I am to see it. Yeah, and... um. After I watched this movie, I sent Corey a message. I said, hey, we, we are talking about the first one, right? Not the sequel, because we, we weren't sure exactly. We had a bit of a discussion. And he said, yeah, it's the first one. And I said, okay, cool. But if he had said that we were um, we were actually doing the sequel and I had watched the first movie instead, I would have had no problem putting the second oh, one yeah. on right there and dream. just watching it. It, was, it would have been awesome. Oh, um, lest we forget the fashion 
incredible. Oh, of course, yeah, obvious, Perfect. obvious, bulletproof. Everybody looks amazing all the time. So, nineties versus seventies, Corey. Where you got to pick a camp, your fashion camp. Where do you go? Well, where do you fall? I think the men's seventies clothes kind of sucks. In a funny way, I do not want to dress like the nineties men we see in this film, though. Either at least we see more of like shitty neighbor kid who's like a peak grunge dude, and uh, or not even grunge. Um. There's a more accurate word I want, and I don't know what the word is, but he's got, like, a real vibe about him. But, like, Charlie's outfit is just, like, acid-washed jeans and a striped t-shirt. That I can get behind. Um, yeah. But I think the the girls' outfits are way better 70s for, for my money. They're just so fucking... There's, like, a hundred colors and just, like, big weird patterns and just, like... It's just, it's a lot of fun. They're just a great time. Uh, I don't know if I'd actually want to dress like a 70s dude, though. I feel like maybe the clothes I own are maybe more stylistically consistent with the 90s. Yeah, that's fair. If it had to be to one of them. This movie really had me thinking about how fashion develops because the people don't actually change. You know what I mean? Like, you can... Nothing's stopping you from wearing the same clothes for your entire life. But it's just amazing that the Bradys are looked at like they're some sort of alien species because they're wearing these other clothes when you can wear whatever the heck you want. And so it's just it's so cool to think that in those 20 years, fashion changed in, in such a way that they're looked at as being so different when really... uh you know, someone could continue dressing like that in the 90s. And uh, I mean, how some people dress like that now still. That's yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. You know, it's it's so cool. And even thinking about how like the 80s, like if you go a decade out from when the Brady Bunch ended, everyone's dressed like fucking Marty McFly. Yes. Like, yeah. It pivots pretty quickly. But yeah, man, I don't know. Everything about this movie is good. I like it so much. I almost can't be critical of it. And we actually we got a good amount of critique in here, I think. But what it does well, it does so 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 well that uh, I don't know. All I can say is it's so subversive. Exactly, and yeah, that's it, man. Everybody likes it. <laughs> it's true. That's it. Can't say that wasn't correct. Hey, did uh. Did little Peter give you Timothy Chalamet vibes? That's what I got. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah? Yeah. I like that was my first thought when I saw it. I'm so glad. I'm glad. I was like, wow, that kid looks like Timothy Chalamet a little bit. Yeah. yeah, It's not like spitting image, but like it's the vibe is there. Yeah. Like right right when you see him and then, you know, as a kid just absolutely suffering through puberty. That's the thing. I mean, this you could tell me that that is Timothy Chalamet before puberty and I would believe <laughs> it, you know? Cuz we got to we got to remember Timothy Chalamet came on the scene a few years after where this kid's at. So uh yeah, it's it's a real God, close. in and the so, bit where he gets a kiss at the end and his voice drops like two octaves. Again, character development. <laughs> if, in the in, jokes. in the next movie if he doesn't talk like that the whole movie, I want a refund. Oh my gosh, yeah. 
great fucking movie yeah yeah it's a, it's a great great discovery <laughs> um i'm i'm glad we watched this one instead of the sequel just because this is a safe bet now we know that this one's good um it's very possible that the sequel will be just as good and i'm optimistic but i'm glad that we started here because we like it so much you know the experience hasn't been tainted for us um and and now we have the sequel to look forward to and even if the sequel isn't what we want it to be we still have this movie so that's that's awesome yeah i agree i i implore everybody to watch it that's really all i got justice for jan oh my gosh yes yes i uh, i am i, I am i am get justice i am the jan brady stand the jan brady stand has logged on and i'm here to defend <laughs> jan brady at all costs team jan yeah but gotta say marcia doesn't uh, marcia has her own compilation on youtube she for does a and uh but, 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 but christine taylor amazing <laughs> oh yeah like, yeah she is crushing it yeah she's got that perfect like naivete but she, she, like she's she's self-obsessed without being conceited <laughs> Yeah, and it's so important that she is still likable that she just feels unaware and not malicious. That's so important. Yes, yeah, and she's not she's not annoying in her unawareness. It's perfectly sketched, perfectly acted. You know, it's just um, it's really hard to put a finger on. It's just it's one of those things that okay, you know how people got upset with uh, Gus Van Sant for remaking Psycho. Yeah, and Roger Eber says that okay, maybe. Maybe a great movie um, isn't just the script and and uh, the blocking and everything. It's it's something in between. There's the a images je ne sais that you can't. Quoi. That's right. Yeah. And Corey and I like Gus Van Sant's remake. We like those interpretations. But I gotta say, this is one of those movies where if they remade it, I would have a a bit of hesitancy because I would just be like, Yeah, but it's not Christine Taylor though. Yeah, like, you could not do this again. Yeah, it's it's impossible. I, you could maybe do it with something else, but you could not do the Brady Bunch again like this. There's just no way. I also think this is just a way more common thing now, like this postmodern, deeply aware, consciously genre-bending or narrative-bending thing is everywhere, like we said. Yeah. So it wouldn't yeah. even feel unique at that point. Yeah, yeah. No, this movie totally... Right time, its time. right place, and... Lightning may well strike twice, but it will not strike four times. Yeah, maybe even it'll strike thrice, but not a fourth. Yeah, well, there is a third movie. Um, that's right, that's right, yeah. But uh, as far as I can tell, it's very bad. <laughs> so Yeah, and a lot of recasting. Uh, all right? the kids. Well, that's the thing. I am making a vow right here and now. I will be a Brady, br Brady br Brunch. Want to go eat some Brady Brunch? I feel like I've definitely said that on this episode already. It's how I typed it on my notes unintentionally. Um, I'm going to be a Brady Bunch 90s completionist. I will watch all three movies, and that'll kind of test our theory if they've recasted the kids. But Can I make say... a prediction? I think the recasting is probably what kills it. Also, they become president, and that's just a weird idea. It is, yeah, because I'm already a bit put off at that... 
the sequel goes Hawaiian. I mean, there's no reason they can't be funny in Hawaii, but it just feels like one of those sequel concepts. You're right. There's like, no specific reason they can't be funny in Hawaii. Yeah, but it's just it's one of those sequel concepts where it's like, what do we do for this one? Yeah, you know, it's a real juice goes Hawaiian. It's a real parent trap for. Yeah, it is exactly <laughs> like there's there's got to be a reason all these uh sequels just decide to fuck it has tremors got there yet tremors in hawaii that would be yeah sick. didn't they isn't that the one with john heater in it it's like tropical oh that one just came out didn't it yeah yeah amazing it took them that long to be like you know we should follow in the brady bunch footsteps yeah that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of incredible honestly we just had an idea so good we cut it out to keep it a secret and that signals to me that we have said all the good things you can say about this movie and we are transcending to another plane where um, we might not be talking about the Brady Bunch movie. So we'll cut that off here and someday you will see the fruits of our genius. But for now, you should just see the Brady Bunch movie. Agreed. They made another one stamp of approval. Yeah. Uh, I wish I had a stamp sound effect. I'll add one in post. And uh, yeah, this was a treat, man. Love when this happens. It doesn't happen often enough. It's true, eh? This was one of those gambles that paid off. We did a lot of horror movies, and we had a lot of stuff scheduled because of October, and then Friday the 13th hits, so you got to do one of those. So we just kind of, we took a shot. Corey and I looked at our big, massive list, and we just kind of picked one um, that we didn't have any ties to, and it's amazing. It worked out. This is why we do the show. Yeah, this is really, this is the quintessential experience, and I'm, I'm, I love when this happens. Another thing I love to do is thank everybody for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. If that service allows you to leave ratings and reviews, please do so. We really appreciate it and it helps get the show in front of more people. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and who your favorite Brady is and why. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And our custom-made soundboard clips are courtesy of Jason DeLine. You can find on Instagram at DeLineMan. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. And you can also hear another show that we do with friend of the podcast, Final Neil, where he and I are talking through the classic fantasy TV show Mortal Kombat Conquest under MK Podquest on Twitter and all your podcasting services. And with that out of the way, we'll catch you here next time for more. They made another one. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Why is it always Marsha? Oh, I love it. it. And then Cindy is like, Jan, Jan, Jan. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Such twist. a good fucking bit. Oh, that's uh, totally true. That was amazing.